Hello and welcome back to another Mean Green Podcast. I am your host, Reed Smith, joined by co-host Milo Mahaltzis. And ladies and gentlemen, it is quite the day. Uh, It is Wednesday, December 6th at the time of recording. And Christmas time is here. Wow! Hold on, I I gotta give it to you because that was impressive. (laughs) You were uh, you were doing that behind the scenes before we started recording. I was warming up the voice. We thought it was amazing, so now the audience gets to hear the live version. Good stuff. Thank you. Yeah, the live Christmas album will be coming out very soon. Stay tuned to Mean Green. No, just (laughs) (laughs) featuring Chandler Rogers from the Portal. And the <laughs> Chandler, that, dude, imagine that band name, Chandler Rogers and the Portal Boys. Yeah, the Portal Boys. The Ch- the Portal Boys. Chan and the Chan and the Portal Boys. That goes kind of hard. Chan the man and the transfer quartet. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh, their, what would their lead single be called? Um, no defense. Yeah, the second one would be no defense, and the other one was snubbed, featuring the American Athletic Conference. Yeah, track three is probably uh, track three is probably I just blew a a late game heroic. (laughs) I'm I'm not the hero you deserve. (laughs) Can't get three points. The Navy story. Oh my god! Yeah, but we've we've got a lot of good memories though, haven't we? We have. We're just going through it. Football season, we thought that we'd be out of things to talk about, and then half the team decided to enter the portal, so they gave us even more to talk about. So thanks for that game. Went out with a bang. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, We did talk about this. This is not the first episode of the week. We did have an emergency episode yesterday that was released. Go listen to that. It is called Emergency Pod. Um. And it, we talk about Chandler Rogers entering the portal along with Iowa Day, Fabetti Wiwu, and a bunch of other people in the portal. But that is not what we're here to talk about today. I'm here to ask you a question, Milo. And I just want to ask you, man, favorite Christmas memory since we're getting close to there. Ooh, that's a good one. And I got one that is probably a favorite memory of many children. Um when I got my PS4. I had asked for a PS4. I had previously been playing on a PlayStation 2 for a long time. And, uh, you know, it was was funny because I remember I asked for a PlayStation 2. I got one. And then that same day or the next day, I went over to my friend's house, my neighbor's house. So he had a Wii. And I was like, I want a Wii. And my parents were like, we just got you a PlayStation 2. And they laughed. So... (laughs) Tough blow, but the PS4 was something that I had wanted for a while. Uh, I did my research on it and everything. I decided, you know what? I'm going to ask for this for Christmas. I know it's a lot, but it's the only thing I want. And I didn't think I'd get it, but I did. And that was amazing. So probably my favorite Christmas gift and memories. Uh, favorite Christmas memory. Um, there's a couple. So... Uh, my parents also got me a desired con- console that I want, uh, or uh, that I wanted at the time. 
uh, I can't remember if it was 09 or I think it was 2010 or maybe 2011. I wanted a PS3 really bad. Similar to you, it's the only thing I asked for that year. I was like nine years old. And uh, my parents got it for me. And they got me like every game I asked for. And I'm like a big... For people that listen to this podcast and have been avid PlayStation players, you may recognize that I do put music in between our little bumper thingies that you are listening to the uh, another mean green podcast i have been exclusively using gran turismo music for like four weeks now uh so i really wanted gran turismo 5 because they used to like market the hell out of that game i i grew up playing gran turismo 3 and 4 and, and every time you turned on the tv for a sports game or anything there'd be this commercial with this guy and he'd be like well for Gran Turismo, they said they wanted 500. I said add a thousand, and then it would show like gameplay of the cars. And like there was one shot of like a Subaru WRX Impreza, which is the best car in the world. Uh, swerve, no, yeah, I knew that. You're lying, you. dude. I, yeah, I you're lying. I'm no, sorry. I'm not. I'm not capping. But there was one scene of the of the Subaru like swerving in the road and then it's door falling off. And I'm like, Oh, look at that damage model, baby. I gotta have that game. And so I got that game and a PS3 and a couple other games as well. And man, that was just a really solid memory for me. And then my second one is uh, my brother-in-law. Uh, his name's Nathan. I have two brother-in-laws named Nathan, older Nathan. Uh, in 2020, uh, the year that Kobe died, uh, I was a big Kobe fan. I grew up with a big Kobe sticker on my wall. Uh, he got me a Kobe jersey for Christmas. And I was like, what? Like, and it wasn't like the the cheap stuff. It was like the Mitchell and Ness, like, 96, 97 jerseys. That meant a lot Ooh. to me. Uh, that's one of the only Christmas gifts I remember in my life that got me, like, emotional. So, yeah, I, that was a good time for me. Yeah. I don't know, man. Christmas time, it just it just feels better, you know? It just makes you feel nice. Yeah, it always does, and especially as you get older, uh, you know, you switch from becoming the receiver to the giver, and, uh, you know, it's always nice to go out and, and give some gifts away and, and you know, return yeah. the favor. Yeah, pause. Uh, I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so- <laughs> I had to. <laughs> <laughs> And listeners, pardon me for coughing. I promise I, I'm not a smoker. The weather keeps changing in Denton, Texas. You know how it goes. Uh, so I'm a little bit under the weather. It's terrible. The weather is terrible. Yeah. It's been cold and then kind of warm and then rainy. So my lungs are not a fan of it. So if I cough or go quiet for a little bit, it's probably because I'm taking a sip of water. But let's get into the show, man. Um, we've been talking about it. For weeks we've been speculating it we had john fields on the show to talk about it the other day and it was here and milo there was three words that you know i love best and those three words was i was right so let me go over before we talk about it the college football playoff standings number one was michigan number two was washington number three was the university of texas and number four was Alabama. All right. That number four is the most controversial one. They got picked over an undefeated Florida State. The Corrigan and the CFP committee punished them for not having their starting quarterback, Jordan Travis. 
out for the season after he got injured against Duke. And so they kind of looked really mid against Louisville. Uh, we're pretty much a couple of plays from losing that game, but they won it. Went 13-0, won the ACC, got left out of the playoff. Now, I just want to know your thoughts on that because, I mean, that's the biggest talk of college football right now that Florida State got left out. Yeah, that was actually going to be my take today. Um, I think that Florida State not making the college football playoff, it really sums up the college football playoff selection committee. Um, I think it sums up what the four-team format is in a nutshell, right? It's robbing a team worth getting there. Um, Florida State, they're a lock to get in. I mean, they're 13-0, and and, you know, they play play a, a strong season all year. I know, like you said, it was unfortunate that their starter got injured. Uh, and I was actually kind of an advocate saying that, um, you know, without their starter, they're not really good. They're probably going to go out on the first game of the college football playoff if they make it. And, um, yeah, they didn't even make it. But no, I think, what's yeah, but what's even more surprising is that the team that made it over them also should not have made it. See, I... Uh... Listen, I don't think I Alabama a, should be in it, dude. I have so. a tough time. I have a tough time agreeing with that. I mean, I think I expressed this in the group chat, but my thing is, was it wrong to leave Florida State out? Absolutely was wrong. But Alabama went 12 and one, beat the number one team, and their only loss was to now the number three team in okay, the nation. But- but did they ever enter the top five all year long? Uh, yeah, they were number three uh, week two. Yeah, week two. Texas. And then ever since then, they were top ten at best, right? Yeah, they were they you know? covered around ten. They were eight. Yeah, so ago. for me, yeah, for me personally, and I, I think I put it in the group chat, Alabama was like the number eight seed all year long. So how does Pretty much. a number how does a number eight team jump all the way up to the top four? In the final week, the final by beating by beating the number one team in the nation, and that's today. another thing. I think that's bullshit that Georgia all year long, all year not not even all year long for the past two years, Georgia has been the number one team in college football. They're a lock to get in year after year. You even said it yourself. You know, you said that this is a team that, until proven otherwise, should be a lock, should be a shoe in for the college football. We playoff. did we did talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah and. Okay, so my my big issue with this is they lose one game by a hair. Really? Alabama was probably the only team that, you know, could have beat them because Alabama's got the experience and you know they're they've been the powerhouse of college football for however many years now. And they lose by a hair and all of a sudden they're out. Like I feel like that's wrong. I feel like, okay, they lose this game against Alabama. They should still be in the top four. Maybe not number one, but they should still be in the top four. I mean, to get get bounced out of the top four for losing one game, the final game, by just a smidge, not very fair. See, I see where you're going with that, but Texas was a very deserving number three. And if we're looking at it like kicked out, who kicked Georgia out of the top four was Texas. Yeah, you're telling me well, Texas didn't deserve to be in the playoff? 
I mean, I, I just think that – I think that George was robbed, and I also think that Texas not deserving. I think there's probably better teams. I think – I know I've been an advocate for Oregon too, but then again, they lost to Washington in the final game as well. They, they lost Washington twice. So, I don't really know. I think it's a difficult situation, uh, and I think that – I just feel like there's a better team than Texas but the thing is that Texas went 12 and 1 with a conference title. Alabama went 12 and 1 with a conference title. Now, I can understand both sides of the of the Alabama Florida State argument. That makes sense to me, you know, like yes, if you're Florida State, you should definitely be upset that you went 13 and 0 and you got left out of the playoff because pretty much you lost your quarterback. That's about it. That's the only thing that changed on their team. Granted, was Jordan Travis a huge part of their team? For sure. But I don't think they should have gotten bounced from the playoff for that necessarily. But I can also equally understand putting Alabama in at 12-1, and rather, uh, because of the pedigree they have, the loss that they have, and the win that they have now. Um, It just felt like maybe... This was a year that the college football playoff committee and Book Oregon could really make a decision like this because there's no precedent that you're going to be setting. This is the final yeah. four team playoff uh, ever. So, but like I said, you know, I think this kind of sums up the history of the four team oh, playoff. For sure. Every year, for the sure. team's getting snubbed, the team's getting robbed. And this was kind of the cherry on top. <laughs> if there was one year that could really sum up everything, it would be this year. So, you know, okay, a classic dude. and fitting way to go out. All right. Now, imagine yourself just sitting at home in 2026. Uh, maybe we still have this podcast in two years. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> and then for a 12-team playoff, instead of arguing about the top four, let me open this argument to you. Oh, my God. UNT went 12-1 and one and 8-4. and four. LSU got in over them? How is that possible? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, know the, you know what's going to happen? You know, I saw some uh, irony tweets. People were saying, UNT didn't make the college football playoff this year. What a shame. But, no, anyways, um, I think that, look, I think that there's got to be a structure. There's got to be a, a cookie cutter format for this, meaning well, meaning the conference champion of every single conference gets in, and then the remain like, very similar to college basketball, uh, where each conference champion gets in, and then if there are any leftovers, then you could also throw those in there too. They, well, that is what the twelve team playoff is wanting to establish. It's going to be the Power Five champions, the best Power Six champion. And then uh, six at largest. But the how do you identify large... who's the power six? Power five. Well, you said well, there's going to be one one power six. So so we can uh, we can, well the one group of six. Pardon me. So you could assume that it would be like the ACC winner, the Big Ten winner. Uh, I guess it's power four now because the Pac-12 will cease to exist. But yeah. ACC winner, Big Ten winner, uh, Big 12 winner, SEC winner. And then those champions are locked. 
And then you would have out of the American Sun Bell Conference USA. And I'm telling you, I'm saying this right now on the podcast, a year out from the first 12-team playoff. If a Conference USA play- team gets into the playoff, I swear to God, I'm going to riot against the NCAA. Conference yeah. USA is borderline FCS at this point. It is. But so why don't we have – so I'm just going to pose this out here. Why don't we have the worst team in that 12-team picture? Why don't we have them play the number one? Why don't we go about it like that? Even if it's going to be a slaughter, why not? See, yeah, I, I agree with that because it's kind of – I don't – I'm not a big fan of the format yeah. to with like the, the first-round buys. Like, I think like a true tournament, one twelve, two eleven. I think that would yeah. be fun, fun as hell. Because yeah, imagine giving like a, good. imagine giving like Coastal Carolina a chance to face Georgia. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like how how often do you see that really? Yeah, but I, I think it gives yeah. every team a chance, and on top of that, it's also more structured. It leaves yeah. very little room for doubt. Right, everybody kind of knows like who's getting in. And then it also kind of helps prevent teams from getting out that should be in too. For sure. And it, you know, because I, I just think it's so dumb that you have a team like Florida State goes undefeated all year and all because of certain circumstances, subjective circumstances. A group of old men decided, oh, well, I don't think this team would be as competitive without their starter. So we're not going to put them in. I don't understand that. And I, I hate the fact that we have to leave it up to a committee to decide who gets in. I mean, I understand that college football is, you know, there's so many factors that play into it, but I, I don't think there should be a committee that decides who gets in and who doesn't. So you were a fan of the BCS era where a computer was doing it. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's that. And then I just, I also think that it should be based off like, you know, record like how professional sports do it. I know that college is different and That's it's a harder, so hard it's to harder. do in college. Yeah, I know. I get it. But if we could try and find a way to make that happen, I think it would, it would probably be a lot easier and like it would, it would be more fair. Right. You know, cause then you'd have teams actually playing for reasons. I also think it's really dumb how G5 schools and some P5s as well that are not so good they literally play all year for one bowl game. And I've never understood the hype behind a bowl game because it's just one extra game that you play. And when you win it, it's like, what, what bragging rights do you have? What the, when the next show for before the college football, to me, the college football playoff disincentivized bowls a little bit to where now it's like four teams can win the title. But, um, because like the Rose Bowl is still special, the Sugar Bowl is still special, but the NY Six Bowl is good. The, but yeah, but when the the uh, playoff, when the or rather when the in the BCS era, uh, when the national championship was just a game versus one v two, the bowls meant a whole lot more, you know, because now it's yeah. like the Ro- the Rose Bowl is a semifinal. This yeah. year, and the Rose Bowl will forever be a, a a game in the twelve team playoff after this season. So, I, I guess that's the way that bowls are are 
still are, are still finding relevance is that now they're going to be like a, a playoff win per se. So I don't I, know. I just never, I've never understood it because especially some of those lower tier, um, those lower tier bowl games. Like I remember UNT won the armed forces bowl, I think a long time ago, or I don't know what bowl they want. They won a bowl a long time ago. And I mean, what, what does it mean, right? Yeah, you get like a trophy, but... You get a trophy and you get a lot of money for the school. So I think that's the incentive there. Um, and yeah. you just get a chance to play somebody that you wouldn't have played anyway. Yeah, you know, I guess. I, but I, opt I, out I just kind struggle, of threw yeah. that up. Yeah, like Caleb yeah. Williams opted out of the Holiday Bowl this season. Yeah, I mean, rightfully so for him, but... Oh, yeah, for sure. I, but I just... I. I I, I don't know. I, it's just because I'm not, I'm not an athlete there, so I don't understand the significance of it. But I've always just kind of looked at it like, so what? You you earned another, you earned another game that comes with a a title and a trophy. Yeah, and I, I guess that's you know it used to be called bowl titles. Like you, yeah. if you want a bowl, it's like oh, you want a bowl title. So it, it used to be a little different. Things used to be special. Um, it's not as special anymore, but I want to get into Vegas, baby, <laughs> Vegas. Vegas. Uh, okay. And this is something that I also want to talk about. So rankings don't really matter in the college football playoff. It's pretty much obsolete at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when you're in, you're in. Yeah. So Washington for having enough and listen, 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 you, you know how I am, but Against Texas, this is this is just not really fair. <clears throat> if Washington is selected as the number one team in the nation, they travel down the coast to Pasadena in the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Instead, because they're number two, they get to travel to the southeast to play in the Sugar Bowl against Texas. <laughs> it's going to be a good one. Texas is from the south. So the trip, yeah. The trip. So it's gonna be, yeah. It's a little unfortunate for them. Congratulations, Washington, for your perfect season. You get to travel four thousand miles to the southeast to play a southern opponent. So I don't know. I think that that's just kind of dumb scheduling wise. Because if Michigan would have been one or two, nobody would have cared. The Michigan fans and Washington fans couldn't give less of a damn whether. Washington was one or Michigan was two. Um, but there, the line has opened uh, as Texas four point favorites, and they've set the over under at 63 and a half. Mm. So, so they're saying it's going to be an offensive game for this semifinal, which is in what day is it? Which is in 25 days. That's three podcast oh, episodes. Oh, my God. We'll make our prediction now, though, uh, because I just kind of want to analyze these games afterward. Um, I'll go 42-35 Texas. I think it's a close one. Mm. Yeah. I'll do um, 30-38-33 Washington. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, man. I'm sorry. That's a very I'm valid. A big, that's a valid opinion. Big Phoenix energy. You're a big husky. He's a little mm-hmm. husky. 
Uh, and then let's go to Alabama versus Michigan for Vegas, baby. Uh, Michigan, <laughs> Michigan opens at one and a half uh, point favorites at the Rose Bowl game. The granddaddy of them all. Uh, and the over-under is a lot smaller. So they expect some defense to be played in this one. 45 and a half. With that in mind, I think I'm going to go 27-20 Alabama. Give me Alabama. 31-28 Michigan. And I got Michigan going all the way. Yeah, I'm disagreeing with you there. I just don't think that – I just don't think that – Michigan has the sauce this season, especially against out. Al- Did you see that video of their reaction when they drew Alabama? They all went, Oh, oh. yeah, I did see that. <laughs> I did. Yeah. That was kind of funny. Well, I mean, rightfully Dude. so, to be fair, you know yeah. that Alabama is going to give you fight regardless because they've been there. They've done that. So we will see. I've got our score predictions marked down on a post it here. So. In a month, we'll get back to you about how we did on that. Um, I, I don't know, man. Just final thoughts on this college football. Wait, 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 wait. Hold the phone. Hold the phone. I want to talk about one more thing. So every season, one group of six team gets added to a New Year's Six Bowl. Last year, it was Tulane. They beat USC in, two, in the Cotton Bowl. I was at that game. This year, everyone thought it was going to be the American champion, SMU. You and I had the chance to cover SMU this year. Very solid team. Very deserving. 11-2 and record. The committee, who also selects the, the New Year's Six Bowls. The committee, who also selects the NY Six Bowls, chose Liberty over SMU. Who? And I'm Liberty University. Oh my god. I'm yeah, sorry. I, yeah. That's a miss. That's a miss. And they're playing Oregon, right? Yes, they are. Yeah. Yeah, they're gonna get curb stomped and it's gonna be brutal. This is not gonna be no Tulane upsetting USC. This is gonna be no an onslaught. Um, you took a team that plays glorified high school football because that's what conference USA is. I know you said they're pretty much FCS. I'll take it a step lower. It's essentially glorified high school ball. High school football in North Texas is probably more engaging uh, than the product that we see in CUSA. Uh, So Liberty, Liberty played these really bad teams all year long and uh, versus SMU, which played SMU, you know, they just had a field day in the American. They really should have moved up with the rest of the uh, former American schools, but still, they had a phenomenal year. They won their conference. Why not reward them? After all, technically, they are the best G5 program this year out of all the other ones. Yeah, for sure. Um, they are definitely the best one. And I know those two losses to OU and TCU look pretty bad, considering how TCU was. Those still good teams. I mean, aside from They're TCU still big 12 now, teams. But, you know, yeah. Liberty played nobody. They played Read nobody. Their Read their schedule. All right. All right. Let me pull up the Liberty schedule. And I'm not talking Limu Emu. This is Liberty. <laughs> this is, this is going to be laughable, dude. 
Okay. All right, Milo. Here's the toughest schedule. That this schedule earns you a uh, a New Year's Six bowl. By the way, just for everyone to know and for future reference, uh, Judy MacLeod, great job. Um, Bowling Green, New Mexico State, Buffalo, Florida International, Sam Houston, Jacksonville State, Middle Tennessee, who they barely beat, by the way. Uh, WKU, Louisiana Tech, who UNT beat. That's all I got to say. Old Dominion, UMass, UTEP, New Mexico State again. Yeah, so this is um, this is an example of the committee decides to give Liberty a charity bowl. They say, welcome to FBS competition. Here you go. We'll put you in a... We'll, we'll put we'll put you in a New Year's Six Bowl to get you a little taste of what actual college football is like. And for we Oregon, I mean, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, we remember when uh, when old Malik Willis played for y'all, and he was a big yeah. draft prospect. So, Yeah. Yeah, so I think Oregon, I kind of feel for him because maybe they wanted, you know, a good game. Maybe they wanted a good matchup, right? After all, it's actually kind of a slap in the face when you really think about it. This is a team that went from competing for a college football playoff position, and now they're playing a glorified high school football team in their final game of the year. I mean, that's kind of disrespectful, to be honest. I think you got to at least pair them with another top 10 team, have them play a good matchup. (laughs) I don't know, another head scratcher in college football, dude. Yep. And uh, let me compare that to SMU schedule, just for comparison. Um, Louisiana Tech, Oklahoma at Oklahoma, Prairie View, TCU at TCU, Charlotte, East Carolina, Temple, Tulsa, Rice, uh, North Texas, Memphis, Navy, Tulane, and they're playing Boston College in the Fenway Bowl. I mean, it's still a decent bowl game, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's a good bowl against an ACC opponent, so they have Mm -hmm. the chance to, like, prove themselves before moving to the ACC. But Mm -hmm. they deserve that New Year's Six spot. I don't care what people say. It's obvious that the committee – so let me get this right. They don't value value being undefeated when it's Florida State. But when it comes to deciding the G5 representative in New Year's Six, they do care about being undefeated. Yeah. Again, this is exactly what I was talking about. All the subject subjectivity that goes on in college football and the postseason. I mean, it's you got to draw the line somewhere. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's disappointing for sure. But it is what it is, as they say. SMU is not going to a New Year's Six Bowl, and and that's kind of just life, isn't it? But yep. this is a UNT podcast. We must talk UNT. And ladies and gentlemen, let's get to the hardwood. The hardwood. The hardwood. UNT men's basketball had a shocker last night against Boise State after the first net rankings of the season came out, placing UNT at 108th in the country. UNT decided to do the UNT special and headed up to Idaho 
They led for a majority of the game. And then in the final two and a half minutes, gave up an 11-0 run to fall 69-64. to Now, on paper, you go, okay, Boise State's the better team in net rankings. But this is a game that UNT dominated the entire time. Now, let me give you a little bit of a stat here, Milo. Last year in total, UNT went 31-7. and They already have three losses this year almost halfway there to that seven loss mark. Yeah, that's, uh, that's tough. That's tough. I will admit, wasn't able to watch a game last night on the Mountain West Network. Uh, but, you know, judging by the reaction, yeah, th- thanks Mountain West Network. Much appreciated. Yeah, thanks. But judging by the reaction on UNC Twitter and, you know, your reaction here, I mean, it's tough. It's tough. I think we've kind of seen it all year long. I don't want to really get spoil my take in advance because my take is unc basketball related but uh yeah i i think it's another one of those tough games yeah for sure and you look at the just the play-by-play here so unt led go and going it with 215 seconds left they uh they led uh 64 to 58 uh free throw uh, free throw three-pointer Free throw, free throw, free throw, free throw, free throw. <laughs> and that's how Boise State got into the game. Lost 69 oh to 64. Just a disaster. Aaron Scott fouled out last night. Um, the whole team didn't foul out? Good Lord. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. They, they had 19 fouls on the night, so it was a, it was a tough night for them. Uh Ruben Jones looked really solid, 16 points, 6 for 13 from the field. C.J. Nolan, 4 for 9 from the field, 12 points. But, man, Jason Edwards was the star of last night, uh, 6 for 16, 20 points. It's sad. It was his best performance so far since transferring up from the uh, from the JUCO level at Dodge City. So it was a little bit disappointing for an Edwards performance like that to go to waste. And I think, I think it's uh, – it's kind of upsetting for UNT fans that while while the Mean Green were blowing it against uh, Boise State last night, Tyler Perry made the game-winning three for Kansas State in Manhattan. Oh, man. So. <laughs> you know, I've been seeing clips of that all day long. Good for Tyler Perry, dude. Good for Tyler Perry. I remember I had my take earlier this year. I said Tyler Perry transferring. It's a good thing for him and for UNT. Uh, you know, UNT doesn't really get any media recognition but it is still one of those things where it's got to be a feel-good story that hey we kind of paved the way for this guy uh he had success with us and now he's moved on to bigger and better things if you're a mean green fan you gotta love watching that and especially the crowd reaction to you see the crowd reaction to that oh man they were they they were going (laughs) crazy you're listening to a podcast for a different listener a podcast that is not only unbiased, it's completely honest. A listening experience which is only enhanced by both hosts' willingness to say anything. Look down at your phone. You're tuned into another Mean Green Podcast. I 
think it's it's really good for him. It's good because I've I've said yeah. it all along. You know, these G five mid major programs, and they have really good players. They gotta experience the good life. They gotta experience what it's like playing <laughs> legit college ball. So really good for Tyler Perry. Yeah, having fans that will show up and cheer for you every night is something big. K State has not been they have not been excellent this season, but their crowds have shown up. Now I haven't followed, you know, I haven't followed Kansas State or anything. Is Tyler Perry their their guy? Like is he is he the number one guy there? Yeah, yeah. yeah he's he's one of their better players. He's a top I mean, three player on the team. Yeah, awesome. he's good. No. That's awesome. He no, went from being he, the man at UNT to the man at, at K State too. That's that's yep. good stuff. Yep. All right, man. On to the next thing for UNT men's basketball to keep it on there. We like talking Ema, Jerome Tang, Tyler Perry. But Fordham University is in the next part of UNT's plans here. In four days, they travel to the Barkley Center, Bedstoy, uh, to <laughs> face Fordham. We we talked about Bedstoy last time, but <laughs> They play. They face the Fordham Rams. Uh, you know, it's a big name school. People know Fordham. People know Fordham has been pretty mid this season. Uh, yeah, just like they do St. John's, right? Yep. Yeah. Four in four for the Fordham Rams. Lots of foe, foe and foe, foe the Rams. Uh, they have really not played an insanely tough schedule, but. They've won some tough games. Uh, they did beat Farley Dickinson, 80-52. You remember Farley Dickinson? <laughs> I do. Yeah. The Cinderella from last year. They beat him 80-52. to 52. Uh, They lost to Tulane, 81-89. to 89. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry. <laughs> N-J-I-T. They played N-J-I-T. N-J-I-T. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they play family jit on December 6th the before, <laughs> before they sing uh, UNT and what they're calling the NABC Brooklyn Showcase. UNT will be looking to showcase something, something that they didn't showcase in Idaho and just kind of looking at the mean green basketball machines uh, stats. The Mean Green Wrecking Machine, Aaron Scott still leads them in points. Um, I mean, how do you fix this team? Not that it's bad, not that it's bad, but how do you fix this team that's now gone one and two neutral site, 0 oh and one away? I think you got to get your confidence up. I think this is a team that, you know, they got they got all the skill. You know, they got they got key performance. It's not like we're it's not like we're looking at this team saying, okay, their big guys are not performing. Because Ruben Jones consistently night in, night out, he's showing up. Aaron Scott, he's also showing up. I think you just gotta, you know, stick to basics and and win a win a game that you should win, right? Get back in the win column, and uh, you know, build off that. I think we've For only sure. seen this. We've only seen this team beat mid teams. I mean, aside from the first game of the season, right? Uh, they've really only won against teams that. Yeah, it's a no-brainer. You're going to win, but like, you know, Boise State should have beat them, honestly. But yep, yeah, that's all I'm going to say before I get into my take. Don't want to spoil it. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, that's what makes this section kind of difficult, that your take pertains to basketball today, and so we can't get too in the weeds about it. I do want to shout out UNT women's basketball. Jason Burton, who knows the Lone Star Conference, has, does he <laughs> has know? proven – Does he know the Lone Star Conference? He knows the Lone Star Conference, and now he's showing that he knows Division I women's basketball. They're 8-1 and one this season, undefeated at home. Shout out Zach Babb, our buddy. Uh, he is the, vo- the voice of UNT women's basketball. And, man, he's enjoying some good commentary this year for those They're on a heater, green. aren't they? I've been, you know, I They're on a ball. heater. Yeah. They started the season with three straight wins. They lost a respectable 55-74 to Texas A&M. Then they traveled to Nacogdoches, which – God forbid anyone do. That's not a fun trip to Stephen <laughs> yeah. F. Austin to beat them 78-55. And then they went to go see the Salukis of Southern Illinois, beat them 79-73. And then on Thanksgiving, they just said, I'm from Texas. And they beat 71-59 Samford and North Dakota, who totally jacked the UNT logo bar for bar, 71-50. Uh, and in their return to the super pit, apparently it was Denton ISD day. So a bunch of kids were like able to skip school and watch women's basketball. I'm I'm like, that's what I'm saying. Like, what the hell? I never got to do that. So so I'll tell you a little little story here. I remember when I was a, when I was a freshman at UNT and I went to go to the basketball games, I think there was one basketball game on a Saturday afternoon. It must've been like kids day or something because we had, uh, a whole group in that upper bowl section, nothing but like kids, nothing but like elementary school, middle school kids. And they were all just sitting there cheering on UNT basketball on a Saturday afternoon. And it was, it was so sad because usually that space is empty and it was filled by kids on a field trip. <laughs> Continue. I just thought that was, I thought that would be a good story. To throw I have a in question there. for you. Would SAISD ever, uh, Ever uh, trot out the kids to the pavilion? Um, I don't think so. Look, I went to SCUC ISD shirts Cibolo Universal City ISD shirts shirts Cibolo. Yeah, yeah, because I was I was on the outskirts of, of San Antonio, not in the heart of San Antonio. But yeah, no, we, they never did any field trips to San Antonio Community College. I mean, at UTSA at all. So. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, they never attended SAC. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, after all, one more, one more thing, one more thing. Sorry, you know, if thing. they wanted to go to, if they wanted to go to a gym, they just use the Samuel Clements High School gym, right? As opposed to, you know, going going all the way downtown to the what is it, convocation or convention center? The, histor- the historic yeah. convo. Oh, historic convo. There you go. We're having a historic convo right now. Yeah. But today, Wednesday, this will go out on Friday, but uh, today on Wednesday, Arkansas Pine Bluff came to Denton. <laughs> They're sneaky good, those Arkansas Pine Bluff. But they lost 73 to 66. Let me give you that box score real quick. Give you the facts and the figures. Man, it was a big game today for Desiree Kernal. 28 points for the graduate student. And, you know, Desiree Kernal, she is one of the people that knows the Lone Star Conference. She came from Texas A&M Commerce, 
with Jason Burton. And that's really helped Jason Burton along here in his early tenure that he was able to bring a lot of the, the women he had at Texas A&M Commerce. He was able to bring them to uh, UNT. And that's helped build the culture a little bit. And, you know, they still got big performances from from older players that were on the team, uh, like Tamisha Lampkin. Uh, she had six rebounds last night or tonight. So they, they get some big some big performances from UNT players from the Jaylee Mitchell era, uh, which most people like to forget. But, uh, man, can't deny Diane Robertson, Robinson and Desiree Kernal, man. They've been fantastic. This season, and Jason Burton, who knows the Lone Star Conference, he has been integral to this team, and it's been night and day from from last season to this season. From Jaylee Mitchell, who, I mean, her name's in the rafters, her jersey's in the rafters. Shout out to her. But Jason Burton has breathed new life into this women's basketball squad for UNT. Yeah, I I agree, and I just want to throw in: I don't really follow women's basketball, but I mean, it gotta feel good for them to actually it be does. dominant and be competitive, especially, you know, I heard some stuff last year with Jaylee Mitchell and the team and, you know, maybe some chemistry issues, but ultimately it's definitely a feel good story to see them do a total 180 from that Jaylee Mitchell era and sure. uh, get back in the win column too. So really good stuff. Who's ahead for women's basketball Alcorn state uh, on Saturday, Louisiana Lafayette, the Raging Cajuns on the December Raging 30. Cajuns. The Cajuns. The Raging Cajuns. <laughs> <laughs> the Raging Cajuns. I'll be interested to see how this team does in the American. They look pretty good. So I'll be interested to see how they do. Uh, we'll keep up with that for sure. Uh, maybe I'll go and report one of those games if they are still playing the way that they are. But Milo, you know, I really need to get a clock in my office because then I would be able it's to check the timing and tell, check that timing. <laughs> and tell you exactly that it's time for your take. Better check that timing. It's time for Milo's take. <laughs> Let's go. I'm revisiting an old take of mine. UNT basketball, I said at the start of the year, men's basketball would not be as dominant as they have been over the past few years under the GMAC era. Unfortunately, it looks like that take is coming to fruition. UNT, like you highlighted, they lost just seven games last year, I think. I think that's what you said. And they won 33, 32, 33. And they're already up to three losses. Is that correct on the season so far? Uh, as of last night, it is now let me double check that for you, sir. Yes, correct. Three losses. Yeah. So this team is proving me right that they would not be as dominant as they were in Grant McCasson area. Now, my take, part of my take was that I said they would still be good. They would still be competitive. But will they be just as good and the same as they were on the McCasland? And that answer is slowly but surely becoming a resounding no unfortunately. And one of the big things is losing games that they should win. Uh, I, I know we talked about Boise State earlier. They had or, that game in hand. Yep. They, they had that game in the bag, and you blow it. You blow it. And another thing, you talk about that tournament that they that they went on, they participated in a couple of weeks ago, 
think a month ago actually yep. a long time yeah um, uh, pretty yeah almost a month wow yeah and they two games that honestly in my humble opinion they should have won both of those i know that they weren't predicted to win them but when you get to that point where you're neck and neck with st john's in the final final minute of the game really final seconds and on top of that you come back from being down by what almost 20 i think they were down by you know a lot and they yeah, came back they, they had all the momentum at that point it no longer becomes about moral victories it becomes you should have won this game because you had these guys on their heels and you didn't finish and the same thing happened against boise you didn't close out i mean they didn't come back against boise but they still didn't close out the game they still they didn't know so i think yeah. the story of this mean marine men's basketball team so far is the fact that they're just not closing out games that they should Right, they're getting close. They're just not closing out, and I think they, they got to kind of unlock that that clutch factor. They got to find a way to lock down and take home these games that they should be winning. But as of right now, my take stands: this team is not performing as good as they have in the past. And I think there's some mean green fans are starting to get a little antsy about it too. I think if you see them on Twitter, starting to get a little little anxious, seeing that their team has already lost three games and you know they lost a grand total of seven all of last year and you look at how many games they played last year too they played so many more games with the yeah. nit and i only yeah. lost seven so you're not even in conference play and you already lost three uh and conference play there's going to be a few that you're going to lose probably and yeah, yeah it, i mean it's just not not looking too good for them but yet they still got the whole rest of the season to go so they can, they can just... prove me wrong just to look back at uh, last season, to compare it, uh, first eight games, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. They were six and two at the same point. So just just one game better. So, yes, is this a team? Is UNT, was it under McCaslin? Did they have some slow starts? Absolutely, for sure. But at the same time, yeah, this team doesn't it doesn't move as well defensively as a McGaslin team. They have not figured it out on defense yet. And I think 19 personal fouls paint that. Yeah, that's unbelievable for you. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's crazy. But I, I mean I just remember they were when Bamman Square out there. <laughs> when when McCaslin left, I don't you know, I, I think it's crazy because every mean green fan was like, Oh, those are the right choice, it's fine. And I'm not saying that it wasn't the right choice. But they were kind of not like it was bittersweet that yeah, Mac spent so much time with them, but now he's gone. They didn't seem very concerned. For me, no, I looked at it and I, I said that this kind of should be an issue for concern because this was the guy played such a big, you know, part of your success, and you lose him now, yeah, and you expect and the next coach to come in and, and do the same thing. I understand that Ross Hodge was, you know, was integral to UNT success as Grant McCaslin was. He was a part of those wins. He was a big part of it. He was the defensive mastermind. But at the same time, he was never going to be McCaslin in year one. And I think that's where a lot of UNT basketball fans kind of got confused a little bit so where they thought that there was going to be no fall off in between Hodge and McCaslin and, and that's just not true it, 
regardless of if he was an assistant coach with McCaslin through all of his years, he's still a new coach. He's not. It's yeah. still a different culture, you know? Yeah, and I think that, not, that sums it up exactly. Yeah. yeah, and he's not he's not Grant McCaslin. And I'm sure Ross Hodge has made it very known, like, hey, I'm not Grant McCaslin. I'm my own guy. I'm going to be doing my own thing. Yeah, yeah. So. And, uh, I mean, we'll just have to see. We'll have to see. But I, I think as of right now, there's definitely an adjustment period. And, yeah, I mean – We'll see how how many more wins this team can put together. I'm sure I'm sure they're still going to end up well over 500. They're still going to be a top team in the American, yeah, probably. Figure it out. But yeah, I mean, right now it's just a little bit of there's probably a, a feeling of nervousness around you know Mean Green fans. They don't know what to expect from this team, especially if they're not closing out games that they really should. Those Memphis and FAU games might be movies. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah no literally they're they're probably going to be they're going to be real nail biters especially if this team does not figure out how to you know close out games. Yep, yep. All right, man. I agree with your take today. Very nice. Very nice. Yep, yep. You, did it. you get the read seal of approval on your take. Let's get a little bit corny. It's a little bit corny. Cornball of the week time. <laughs> I'll lead us off since you just did Milo's take. Milo, imagine this. And I threw a little curveball at you because I told you a cornball of the week I was doing. Now I'm doing a different one. So, um, imagine that before the season, you attend Texas Tech and you tell them, hey, when y'all go down to Austin in November, do me a favor and beat them. (laughs) And then after. The team you tell Texas Tech to beat beats Tech 57 to 7. They then go on to beat Oklahoma State for the Big 12 title. Now, you're standing on a stage. There are over 50,000 fans of that fan base that you just upset in the crowd. What do you think is going to happen? I don't know. Nothing good. Nothing good. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark. Oh, what a clown. A cornball, if you would. He made those comments at Texas Tech, and then the most awkward post-game interview of all time. I was in attendance for Saturday's game, and my, (laughs) my gosh, Brett Yormark got the mic, and everyone booed him. The loudest booing I've ever heard in my life. They didn't need they didn't even he wasn't audible he was audible on tv because they had a direct line but it in the stadium you could not hear him over the pa and they even tried to turn it up couldn't hear him at all because of how loud the boos were and at first he was like he was kind of making the roger goodell face like i'm gonna get booed whatever and you know how roger goodell just loves it now like he just yeah. enjoys it yeah. brett your mark ain't he ain't roger built he gets the he gets the microphone and he's like, okay, okay, I get it, I get it. It's all love, it's all love. And then he thinks like once they say that, and Steve Sarkeesian is next to him, like, calm down, calm down, everybody, like waving towards the crowd to let be quiet. No one listened to Steve. He's getting booed, and, <laughs> and New York Mark is like, all right. He just said, okay. 
okay he just kept saying okay repetitively and he did not get like through his preamble and speech oh bs God. at all the only thing he said correctly was the final thing which was which was and here's the big 12 trophy to the texas longhorns and he picks it up and then he just stands on the face my guy was shaking like loki his lip was quivering i was afraid he was gonna cry oh i would have felt really bad if he started crying at that game but <laughs> uh that happened but the funniest thing about that that not a lot of people mentioned is that he did not call steve sarkeesian he did not call him sarkeesian he said coach garcia see ya Sarkeesian. <laughs> oh my god what the hell well what did he expect to happen I don't know. I mean, honestly, yeah, he's probably sitting there thinking. You you would hope that he's thinking, "Oh wait, I wanted these guys to lose against Tech." Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, and and everybody knows that. Yeah, I okay. Oh. My thing is, how are you the commissioner of a conference yet you root for one team? Why? Well, how are you that open about? He made a big deal out of Texas and Oklahoma leaving. And on the field, it's a big uh, title. I see. You know, they, yeah, they're running right. that. They're running that. Well, the crowd started chanting SEC during yeah. <laughs> during his, his uh, little talking thing as well. But, you know, the Big 12 is obviously about to pivot toward yeah. how whatever their number is at now. I think it's going to be 16. On the field, it said greater than 12. So, obviously, they're trying to, like, rub it in Texas and Oklahoma's face Yeah, that OU and Texas are leaving. But you can't do that if they have been your main source of income for 20-plus yeah. years. Yeah, be appreciative, right? Don't... Yeah. That that makes sense. When you put it like that, because I didn't think about that. I don't know why I didn't. I guess I probably forgot. But, yeah, I, I mean, that's... That's all your money right there going down the drain. Yep. It's leaving yep. you. You really and I respect Baylor and all of them, but do you really think that Baylor really think the Baylor <laughs> is going to make the <laughs> make the same money that Texas or OU no, was making? No, no, Baylor can make Baylor can even make I'm sorry, Baylor can even make the college football playoff, probably the national championship, and yet still not bring I mean TCU did it. TCU made the natty. And they still, you know, they're not going to bring in as much money as Texas. Not no. as big as a market. Not as much as OU either. I mean, listen, Texas no, and OU, yeah. they, they, they financially ran that conference. Yeah. And listen, I know that they left and they kind of started this whole realignment mess. And listen, <laughs> I'll be the first one to tell you that it was all because of money. They snaked the hell out of the Big 12. But yeah. is the commissioner, and, and, and this is why he's my cornball of the week. Is the commissioner, you cannot expect a huge fan base of people that you said you wanted Texas Tech to beat them in November. You can't expect them to be rational when you're on stage because he looked bewildered that, like, he was like, What? This group I mean, of did people you forget? That I wanted their team to lose? It's like, Did, did you forget did you what forget? you said? I mean, and there were videos of people like heckling him before the game. So it's not like he didn't know it was coming. Did he really think? was sweet like it was not mm -hmm. gonna be good so brett your mark you're my cornball of the week because come on man you just you just gotta do better you know it's a good I one i don't know yeah. i'm saying yeah all right who's your cornball yep so i'm sticking with the basketball trend today sticking with basketball a couple of hours ago i um sent this in our little group chat 
Uh, my cornball of the week is Josh Hart of the New York Knickerbockers. <laughs> oh, now wow. I'm a big I'm a big Knicks fan, uh, but unfortunately Josh Hart gets cornball of the week. Now I don't know if he's joking. He probably is joking, but I still think this is funny to say and leave it up for uh, leave it up for, with no context. Um, so this is a tweet from NBA Central. It says. Jose Alvarado plans to give his $500,000 prize money to his daughters if New Orleans wins the in-season tournament. Um, And then there's a quote from Alvarado saying, I ain't struggling now. I'm blessed to be financially good. So why do I need to add that extra load, blah, 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 and and so forth, saying that he's blessed and fortunate. So anyways, he plans to give that half a mil to his daughters if he wins the in-season tournament. Nothing wrong with that. That's a lot of money, but nothing wrong with that. Josh Hart quote tweets it and says, what a loser. Go get you some ice. And throws in two diamonds, two diamond emojis. I mean, that's hilarious, dude. Everybody in the comments is like, bro, wrong account. You forgot to log into the burner. I mean, that's so funny. The fact that, I mean, again, I'm sure they're probably friends or just joking. But if they're not joking... That is corn bomb. It's prime. Either way, you can, you can't put that on the timeline. What a loser! You want to give money to your daughters or family? Loser! <laughs> what a loser! Go get some ice. <laughs> oh man, that is hilarious. Yeah, um, Josh, Josh, uh, Josh, uh, the heart is a joker. I, I miss him on the Lakers. I always liked him. Yep. So, Josh Hart, you are my cornball of the week from my very own New York Knicks. There you go. The Knickerbockers. The Knickerbockers. Shout out. Shout out to the Knickerbockers. All right, man. What you, you know, doing this weekend? Hold on, wait, wait, wait. You know a Knickerbocker. Okay, okay. You know what a Knickerbocker is? I cannot say I know what a Knickerbocker is, no. Shorts. They are the New York Shorts. That's what a knickerbocker is, bro. Well, the more you know, the pride of Long Island is shorts. Yeah. Interesting. Um, let me hold on. Yeah, actually, it might be... yeah. It's are we like, are we checking your weird... knickerbocker claim? Yeah, I am. Just a fact check. It is. Oh. Yeah. Sorry, we're we're on camera, so I'm I'm showing Reed a picture. Of it. It's like these like. <laughs> knickerbocker clothing <laughs> they're a form of baggy need breeches particularly popular in the early 20th century u.s golfers the plus dude, those look like some crazy person. joggers yeah knickerbockers there you go that's insane yeah but they're somebody also who's knickers. like a Somebody who's like 107 is going to be listening and be like, how did these folks not know what Knickerbockers yeah, are? It'll probably be a Mean Green fan from the, from the 60s. <laughs> oh, these guys are not Knickerbockers. Are you kidding me? No, I was there in the opening game of Phelps Field and I put on my finest Knickerbockers. <laughs> and, my, and my green plaid Knickerbockers. <laughs> I I shed a tear as I watched North Texas State win the game. Oh my god! 
That's hilarious. I was even there for that tie between the Texas Teachers College and SMU. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one of six wins, right? Something like that. One of yep. One of six <laughs> wins. Jeez, bro. I, I'm looking at Knickerbockers right now, and I can't tell if that's drip or not. To be you honest, a pair of Knickerbockers. Yeah. So if I showed up in a pair of Knickerbockers next time I saw you and John, would would I be made fun of? Nope, absolutely not. I would say that fit goes astronomically hard. <laughs> I'll do some nice like dances for you too. I'll do the Charleston and I'll talk like I'm from the twenties. Yeah. yeah, mama died of the flu the other day. The Spanish one. The Spanish one. <laughs> the Spanish hilarious. flu. Indeed. Yeah. All right. <laughs> there you, you go. So there's your little history. What am yeah, I thanks. doing this weekend? Uh to be determined. To be determined. I have not really planned on anything yet. I mean, the past couple of weekends as I've given a little insight into my personal life. We spent being tourists in the Southern California region. And I don't know, I think this weekend might keep it pretty chill. And uh, last weekend we saw the Hunger Games movie, new one, shout out Hunger Games fans. Uh, we saw that that like the good. book of songbirds and. Yeah, I don't know. It was, it was good though. It was good. We <laughs> didn't that. even know what it was called. <laughs> No, I, I think I think it was. I, hey, it wasn't my idea to go see that movie. Okay, so the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Yeah, I, I think that's what it was. I just that sounds like John that. Field's journalism. <laughs> what is what is that supposed to mean? The the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes is John Field's journalism. Yeah, we'll just let him guess. I'll, I'll want him to listen to this, and then I'll be like, "What did you mean by that?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so this yeah, is yeah. What about panel. you? What are, what are you doing this weekend? For this weekend, I am doing nothing. Um, more more than likely, I'm doing homework because I'm still in school. Uh, <sighs> unfortunately, <Nerd. laughs> don't stop making fun of me. Uh, <laughs> I will be doing uh, poli sci more more than likely, and then uh. Do you remember uh, 4240? Journalism? Uh, Yeah. It's a, what's it called? It's like the global whatever. Oh, yes. Yes. What is it called? I forgot what it's called. Yeah, international media affairs. Yes, correct. Wow. Yeah, I got to write a 10-page paper for that, so... I'll be doing oh, that is that, that's the final. That's the final. Uh-huh. Is, it a group, so, is it still a group paper? <laughs> so my group was so dysfunctional because you know how it's supposed to be like a 20-page paper that a group of like four does. Yeah. My group was so dysfunctional that my professor, the same professor that you had, she was just like, you know what, guys? Just do your own work. Do oh, a solo project. And I'm like, all right, I'll do a 10-page essay on social media and journalism around the world. So that's what I'll be doing for a majority of my time this weekend. It will be grand. I'll have a great time. (laughs) I I love school. Yeah, have fun pulling together and studying Reporters Without Borders. I bet you're going to have a field day (laughs) looking at that. Yeah, Yeah, I just love love looking at the the Reuters journalism. survey I, um, I think it's pronounced reuters but 
Yeah. Reuters, I don't, bro. That's what Barry Bonds took. He took. He took some steroids. <laughs> he took steroids. <laughs> yes, but that class, that class is not fun. Okay, so no, no, to it's you awful. You I took it online. Trudge along so. through. Yeah, I did too. Indeed. Yeah. That's the best way to take it. But, Milo, do you know what? All good things must come to an end. And God... <laughs> a final bleep out for the SO, for the uh, for the episode. But all good things come to an end. We're coming to an end right now. Thank you all for listening. Man, if you would like to listen to this golden podcast every week, you can listen to it on Spotify and Apple Music, where it releases every Thursday or Friday depending on when it makes most sense to post it. Most of the time it's Thursday. Sometimes it's Friday. We record on Wednesday. But if you want to do that, just search up another Mean Green podcast and you will be able to find it there. You can also find it on the front page of Mean Green 24-7 now. There's a little section that says Quick Links and at the very top of it, there's a little microphone that says another Mean Green podcast where you can promote it. It's the best podcast in the UNT game. You'll want to listen to it. We continually move the goalposts. It's the Moving Goalposts podcast, and it's fun. I also want to mention that we have seen our listenership go up by like 18 to 20 listeners every episode the last three weeks, and we cannot express to you how much that means to us. Having listeners is what makes us want to do this show, among a lot of different things, and we appreciate it greatly when people listen. Please tell your friends about it. Please write into us and tell us on Twitter. You can find me at, at ReedSmith25, and you can find Milo at Milo's Tweets. Send us comments, send us DMs, and we will do some Q&A eventually when we get enough questions. Ladies and gentlemen, it is basketball season. Today was a basketball-heavy episode. For basketball content that you will not want to miss, you should become a 24-7 VIP. It's the coolest thing that anybody's ever done, really. If you become a VIP, you get to read by the numbers, a look at the facts and the figures of UNT basketball away games, and you won't want to miss it for softball season. Now, let me tell you, I'm known for softball, so this is something that I can tell you a lot, and I'm feeling very transparent today. Most people read me for my softball and football coverage, so if you like my softball coverage, which I'm guessing you do, You'll want to become a VIP for when all of the mean green sports start up in spring. See as Rodney DeLong and the Mean Green take on the American Athletic Conference and become a subscriber to not miss any content for the old bat and ball. But for myself and Milo Mahaltzis, greetings, goodbye, and I bid you all adieu. Have a good weekend, everyone.